You're listening to Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel, Las Vegas. This is where real faith meets real change. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play Music to get instant notifications when new episodes are available to download or stream. You can also check out our website, praisechapellasvegas.com, to check out some more information about us and see what's going on this month on our events calendar. Lastly, follow us on social media at PC Las Vegas. With that being said, listen up, because here comes the word. Vargas, amen. Hallelujah. Come on up, amen. 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 Thank you. Thank you. Um, Pastor Kelly and Pastor Esther told me to tell you that she loved you guys and that that we, was, that we was going to the best church. She said, tell my friends I love them. I talked to her today. So um, we've been with Pastor Kelly and Pastor Esther for like 20 years. They're our mama. Um, we've been with them. We was the executive pastor. We was the, their assistant pastor. We got sent out as senior pastors, as evangelists. Oh, my God. So we back around again as evangelists. But I want to thank God for you guys allowing us to come. Um, as I walked into this church tonight, God dropped something in my heart. Don't ever stop worshiping. The altars are open for worship. Um, you know, we, we go into churches and, and, and you know, sometimes it just bewildered me that people can stand in the back or they, they knuckle the, the seat and they don't worship God. You know, I, I, I came into Las Vegas and I told my husband, I said, you know, we're traveling to Las Vegas and to California and around and around. I said, I don't want to go preach in churches and nothing happen. I said, I want to encounter with God. God deserves glory. He is the king. This is the kingdom. I want heaven on earth. I want to experience from God that only man, no, I mean, no man don't even know. They can't even hear of what the Lord is going to do in these last days. I want to encounter with God. You know, cancer has a name, just like you have a name. The name is Jesus, and every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall proclaim that Jesus is Lord. Cancer don't have no authority over Jesus. Diabetes don't have authority over Jesus. Jesus is still healing the sick. Jesus still alive and well. God wants to get glory in everything we do and everything that we say. God's want to get glory in it. No matter if you want to recognize it or not, God's going to move on earth with you or without you. And I know the evangelist is about to preach, but I'm here to tell you, stir yourself up in the things of God, in the things of what God is about to do in this nation. I believe in this last year of time of us as believers, God's going to begin to turn around people unto him. Not the church, but people unto him. Those that call themselves believers, God is about to check you. He's about to check you. You know how I know that? It's because today I got a phone call this morning. And the devil thought he had pulled my card. I said, you better wake up, devil, and get behind me because I'm still going to run hard for God. I get a phone call. My mom's heart rate drops to zero. So I said, okay, let's go into prayer. Let's go into camp. I call all my prayer warriors. And when I got prayer warriors, I got ones that pray and don't stop. Because we're going to have an encounter with God. Not within an hour, I get a phone call after prayer. 
Oh, your mom's heart rate went back up. See, God is moved by faith. He's moved by my faith. And I said, God, I got one thing to tell you. I left everything to go out to the fields, to see the lost saved, to have an encounter, to deliver a message that souls would get saved. But in return, I asked you to give me the grace to go see her. If it's your will or whatever happened after I leave, then it's your will. But I asked God, don't let her die before I get there. Do you know I call in the ICU and they say, your mom is doing well. Her heart is pumping. So I'm here to tell you, Las Vegas, I didn't come here to play games. I come here to have an encounter and put the devil on the run. To put the devil on the run. Many of you are sitting here today, and I've never been here. Many of you are sitting here today, and you're going through in your marriage. Many of you are going through with issues in your life or in your finances. The only answer is Jesus Christ. No matter what the devil say, God get the last word. God get the last word. I serve notice to him. You've already been defeated. God's will is God's will. I will preach the gospel in season, out of season, wherever I go. I will proclaim my Lord. He is true. He is the most living God. I've seen things in this last season of people of cancer and diabetes or people of loved ones that, that are sick and you can't even help them. You can't help them. You can't give them some vaccine and they'll be healed. But I know one thing, on your knees and to God, God can turn something around in seconds. It happened today before my very eyes. And God said, daughter, didn't I not tell you? I will bless you if you go. We left everything. I don't know why I felt the need to tell this, but this is what the God put on my heart. We gave up everything to go back as an evangelist. That's why I'm telling you this because I want to know, I want you to know how hard it is at times as an individual to serve God, but at the same time, you'd rather run cross country to see the lost saved and see people deliver and heal from their sickness and their disease, and in return, God will bless you. I left my two kids in Kansas City. I left them with my pastors. My daughter have her own place. I, my 13-year-old left with us to travel. I got rid of my house, and I gave my church up. I gave my church up. And we said, Pastor, this is what God called us to do. He said, okay, we'll pray for you guys. I believe this God. You was evangelist before. I believe it. And they sent us on. Could I tell you the road haven't been easy? But I tell you what, I haven't given up on my God. I haven't given up on Jesus. He has met us every way, every step, everywhere we've been, he provided. My 13-year-old, she said, Mom, she said, where's the next stop? Where are we going? You would think a 13-year-old would say, where's my house at? Could I go play with the kids in school? You know what she do? She's homeschooled in a private homeschool. She do her work on the road because she wants to go and see people like you guys' life change. She want to see your kids healed and delivered. At four year old, my daughter was sick. My daughter was sick and we didn't know what the disease was. I did not know what it was at four year old. Today my daughter is almost 13 years old and God healed her 100%. Today her hair is hanging to here when she lost all her hair. God will come and ask you, 
He will come and ask you and test you and see what you made of and ask for something from you in return. Are you willing to give it to God? Are you willing to trade something for to see somebody else's life change? Because he will come asking for it. So I'm encouraging you tonight, don't give up on your family. Don't even question God if there was sickness. The only answer you got is through prayer. Pray without ceasing. God is moved by faith. If we're going to be Christians and believers, walk by faith. Not by sight, but walk by faith. When you don't have no money in your pocket, you better walk by faith. Because you're talking to a girl. You might look at me and you see these shoes and, and this ring on my hand. But let me tell you, baby, I've been married 24 years and a lot of work and a lot of praying. And with good pastors that been on my side. I have a pastor, she Holy Ghost. If you're going to run with Pastor Esther... If you run with my pastor, either you Holy Ghost or you're lame. I'm going to be straight up. That woman on fire. Everything I know is because of her. I've learned. I put myself under leadership, and I let them teach me and disciple me. And that's why I'm who I am today. Some of you guys are sitting in here, and you don't listen to your pastors. And you go through what you go through is because you don't listen. God will bring you back to the same place where you didn't listen and make you listen. Don't make him make you because he's king. I'm telling you what I know. I know he wants the mic, but boy, I've been burning up since I walked in this place. I'm telling you, I'm going to take the fire wherever I go and wherever we go, we're going to ignite this place. I don't want to go to a dry, dead church. Why? The barrier site is already dead. They can't get up. If I'm alive and well, we might as well run hard now while we got breath in our body because guess what? The day is coming where we will not breathe again. So right now when you have the time, breathe all you can breathe. Run all you can run. Worship all you can worship. Preach all you can preach because Jesus is coming. I better give him the mic because I'm telling you, I'm on fire. But amen. And that was my uh, very calm wife. We just celebrated 24 years on Monday. Amen. 24 years of marriage on Monday. Amen. And I, I tell her when I'm invited to go preach in place, I tell them I preach a lot better with my wife. Amen. When she's with me than when she's traveling. So I don't know how I'm going to do it in California. She's not going to be with me. So we're just, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm hurting. Amen. I do have to... Uh, Honor your parents, man. Come on. I mean, for your pastors. Give it up for your pastors, man. You guys, you guys have the bomb pastors, man. They are well-loved. Listen, in this fellowship, they're well -loved. I know Kansas City loves them. And, man, I know we love them. The Chiefs love them very, very much. Amen. You guys don't know, he really has a T-shirt, Chiefs T-shirt on underneath. He just, glory. Hey, man, a prerequisite, I mean, I, I do have to share something with you right quick. I am, um. Latino, I am 100% Puerto Rican, Puerto uh, Rican, so I speak very fast. Um, that's one thing, it's a, one thing about us, I speak very fast. On the way in, I had a monster. Um, so when you get a monster mixed with the fastest that I speak, and then the Holy Ghost, and it's a big combustor, just, just all kind of crazy stuff. So if I go too fast, just do like this, I'll slow down, 
If I get lost in the message and I just start worshiping up here, I promise I'll come back and get you and then we'll land this aircraft together. Is that cool? Amen. Is that all right? <laughs> Glory to God. We're going to get right into this on tonight for the next two hours and 45 minutes. Um, come on, man. We was at the strip late last night. I know. Come on now. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. <laughs> I want to minister if I could. If you have your Bible, show me to the book of Acts, the 16th chapter. The book of Acts, the 16th chapter, we'll get there in a minute. Have you ever found yourself in a place or a situation? And I do talk very loud, so I was a Marine for, uh, for eight years, so I know how to use my big boy voice. Uh, so I might be everywhere on your little thing right there, so just. <laughs> Have you ever found yourself in a place or a situation that you did not feel like giving God any praise or any worship? Come on, have you ever been in a jam or, and you didn't know what to do? You felt like just throwing in the towel and just say, man, I give up. A storm in life that has paralyzed your ability to praise and worship and give God the glory. Trials that overwhelm you and you're restless and now there's no more fight left in you. Come on, I know I'm talking to somebody on tonight. Amen. I know everybody here ain't been saved all their life and Holy Ghost filled. Uh, and, you know, we just perfect in oneness with God. There's one thing that nobody or no thing can take from me or take from you, and that is praise. Praise is not just what we do, but praise is who we are. The book of Acts, the 16th chapter, verse number 25 but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. I want to minister, if I could, on the topic, praising while afflicted. Praising while afflicted. I, I learned this a long time ago, that the best messages or the best sermons are the ones that you've lived. Father God, I need an unction from on high to be able to minister your word with boldness, with clarity of speech. I pray that you anoint my lips, for your word is already anointed. Open the ear and the hearts of your people. Let us receive what you have for us on tonight. God, I, I pray let not one person leave the way we came. Let us leave changed and transformed by your word, by your power, and by your spirit. We love you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And I mean, let me start this. What is praise? What is praise? So Webster defines praise as this, to express adoration of to glorify the thanksgiving for blessings conferred or for blessings conferred, laudations to God, worship expressed in song or honor given. That word praise is used 243 times in the Bible. In the Old Testament, they would send out the praisers before they went to battle to establish the presence of God. Now, now hear this, hear this. You know, you're in the army and you're getting ready and, and they say, here's your weapon and they give you a tambourine. Now, come on, I don't think you understand me. You don't understand. You, you know, you, you're, you're going to weapon, and you enlisted in the army, and then you get symbols. And the army that you're fighting against is out there, and they're throwing spears at you, and, and they got swords, and they got bow and arrows, and you got a tambourine, and you got a symbol, amen. But the Bible says that God inhabits in the praises of his people. The Bible says that worship changes the atmosphere. So I don't care what you're going through, don't care what's going on in your mind, don't care what kind of battle you're in, as long as you got worship inside of you, and worship is who you are, I mean, the situation is going to work out on your behalf. 
Let me give you some scripture here. Psalms 34, verse number 1 and verse number 3 says this. I will bless the Lord at all times. Somebody say all times. His praises shall continually be in my mouth. See, the psalmist did not say, I will bless the Lord when all the money is in my pocket. He didn't say, I will bless the Lord when my body is aligned. He didn't say, I will bless the Lord when my family is in order. He didn't say, I will bless the Lord when I got a job. He didn't say, I will bless the Lord when everything is okay in my life. No, no. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times. When I don't have money, I will bless the Lord. When my body is broken, I will bless the Lord. When my family is all in disarray, I will bless the Lord. When all is coming against me, I will bless the Lord. He goes on to say, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Verse number three goes on to say this. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. He started off by saying, I will bless the Lord. There's something about corporate praise. When he said, let us magnify the Lord together. There's something when we come into the house of God, when we come on a Wednesday, on a Sunday, on a Saturday, amen, on a Friday night during revival time, when we come together and we worship one name, we worship uh, one king. Uh, come on, your praise, amen, will set somebody else free. The message says it like this. I bless God every chance I get. My lungs expand with his praise. I live and breathe God. If they'll hear this and be happy, join me in spreading the news together. Let's get the word out. Psalms 47.1 says this. Oh, clap your hands all ye people, and shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Psalms 150, verse 6, let everything that has breath praise ye the Lord. So why does the devil want to steal your praise? Does it feel like every time you're going through, and man, you come to church and pastor or whoever's leading worship says, come on, lift your hands. I ain't lifting my hands, pastor. You don't know what I've gone through. You don't know what I've been through on today. You don't know what happened in my job. You don't know what happened on the way here. I had to take the chancleta off and get And you want me to lift my hands. You want me to clap. You want me to sing some songs. Why is it that the devil always comes against your worship at your worst time when all hell is coming against you? Amen. And you know the answer. You know that you ought to, but you can't. Why is it? Because the devil always trying to stop. Listen, listen. The book of Ezekiel 28, verses 12 through 15, you were the seal of perfection. Full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was covered. And he goes in to say all these different stones. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes were prepared for you on the day you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. Watch this. And you back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created until iniquity was found in you. See, the enemy understands what praise does to God. He was the worship leader or the choir director in heaven. He understood that when praises went up, blessings came down. So when you are in a funk and you start to praise against the change of the atmosphere, he that inhabits the praises of his people, he said he dwells in your praise. I love to say it like this. If God inhabits in the praises of his people, or are you giving him a gift to praise? Come on, if God inhabits in your praise, is he a little hut or is he inhabiting in a cathedral? Because your worship is what's changing your atmosphere. 
And once we tap in and once we understand the power of praise, the power of worship, once we tag in and we plug into that, everything is going to be all right. Psalms 22, verse number three. I'm, 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 I, she is kicking in already. <laughs> but you are holy and throned in the praise rail. Yeah, yeah it's, it's like, you know, whew. It'll, it'll, I'm sweating too much. It's like the three Hebrew fiery furnace. Daniel chapter 3, verses 13 through 25. I'm not going to read it. You know the story. Amen. You've known it since you was a little kid. They taught it in Bible study, the Bible, Bible school, and school, Sunday school, and all the other schools. The three Hebrew boys were not intimidated to do what was right in the sight of God. They were determined to stand, even if it resulted in their life to be taken in the fiery furnace. I, in just case you don't know the story, here's three Hebrew boys that uh, King Nebuchadnezzar said, You're going to bow. Every time you hear the sound of the trumpet and all these other instruments, and they decided, say, I'm not going to bow. I mean, I only bow to one God, and he ain't you. I'm only going to bow to one God, and he ain't made of gold. And the three Hebrew boys didn't bow. And the Bible says that King Nebuchadnezzar got real mad. And when they came, am I going too fast? Good, okay. And then they, and then they, brought, they brought the three boys in, and they said that, the, that they turned the fiery furnace seven times hotter than what it normally is. And, and they threw the three Hebrew boys in there. Come on, could you imagine this? And, and all of a sudden, and then you calls out to his men, and, and he says, did we not throw three and men in there? Then why is there four men? And why is the fourth man look like the son of God? Were any of you there that day when the three, three Hebrew boys got thrown in the fiery furnace? Okay, so I'm going to tell you how I think it happened. Uh, and the three Hebrew boys got thrown in there. And in the midst of the heat raising and as hot as it was, I believe they started marching around. And I believe they started singing a song that said, can't nobody do me. And they began to walk around in the fiery furnace. You may be in a furnace today. You may be in some fire in your life. I'm here to let you know. Praise will confuse your enemy. Praise will bring you out of your mess. Praise will change your situation. And they begin to sing. And they begin to worship. And all of a sudden, the king of kings appears in the midst of the fire. The king of kings appears in the midst of their mess and then in the midst of their worship Jesus shows up all of a sudden he just pops up and he looked at them and said what's up see we get so caught up in our storm and in our trials and in our fire amen that we forget that God is bigger Isaiah 43.2 says this, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flames scorch you. Smith Wigglesworth said this, I am not moved by what I see. I am not moved by what I hear. I am not moved by what I feel. I am only moved by what I believe. And I believe the uncompromising word of God. Oral Roberts said these powerful words concerning this text. He said the fourth man was not responsible for having these men bound. The fourth man was responsible for setting them free. The fourth man did not heat up the fire. The fourth man, watch this, caused the fire to lose its power. The fourth man did not cast him in the furnace. The fourth man protected them in the furnace. The fourth man did not help them escape out of the fire, but the fourth man went with them in the fire. Come on, you ain't alone. 
You ain't alone, amen. You ain't alone in your fire. You ain't alone in your mess. You ain't alone. You ain't alone in what you're going through. I'm going to get to our text, amen, and we're going to land this thing here in a few minutes. Acts chapter 16, 25, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. What is midnight? What is midnight? Webster describes midnight as 12 o'clock at night, the middle of the night. Watch this, the darkest time of the night. So midnight is the darkest time of the night. But midnight also represents a new day on the calendar or on your watch. You didn't catch that. You'll post that on Facebook later on tonight, and you'll say, oh, I got it now. If 12 o'clock midnight represents the darkest time of the night or the darkest time in your life, midnight also represents a new day on your calendar. You might have thought it was bad. You might have thought you was down for the count. You might have thought all hell that came against you. But at midnight, your new day comes when you begin to worship and praise God in the midst of your situation, stop telling your, your stop telling God how big your problem is. Oh God, my problem this and oh I got. Why don't you tell your problem how big your God is? Why don't you tell your boogeyman? Come on now, God is. Remember that God is bigger than the boogeyman. Come on, VeggieTales, any VeggieTales? God is bigger. Yeah, yeah. Uh huh. I know. So yeah, I try to act all bad. I remember. I remember, Pastor. I remember. Let me get into this. Let me get into this just real quick. Let me get, here's, here's, here's Paul and Silas. The Bible talks about that they were preaching on the streets and, and they cast out a devil out of a young lady. And the masters got mad and they got all upset because they were going to lose money and all this stuff. Well, well, well they drugged him. They, they, they took him to the magistrates and, and they drugged him across the streets. They had put stripes on their back after they had beaten them. They're dragging him through the streets. And the Bible says that they put him in the inner prison in stocks. Just looking around, I don't know too many of you. I know the story of Praise Chapel. There might be somebody who's been in prison in here. Just maybe. I'm not going to look. I'm not going to look. I'm not going to look. <laughs> not this church. All right. Not this church. That's the one I'm going to go to next week. There we go. That's the one I'm going to in the next. That's the California church only. But the Bible says, yeah, yeah, you're right. It's, they should cut it out and stuff. But, but listen, the Bible says they put them in the inner prison and in stocks. I don't know. I mean, for those of you that have been, that have been locked up, you know, you get three squares a day. You get you're in good behavior. You get to go out and watch a little TV. And you get to, you know, all that good stuff. It wasn't like that back then, though. Uh, they were in a dungeon. It was dark. You know, they had just a little light, amen, here and there. And, and, and the Bible says, goes on to say it was, it was a dungeon. So that means, I mean, I've been to Israel I've seen this place where, 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 where the prisons were at. And, and, you know, I mean, it was mud. It was human feces. I mean, it was just all kind of crazy stuff. But on top of that, they put them in stocks. Don't care what kind of prison you've been in. Don't care what kind of jail you have been in. It is definitely not as bad as what they were in. And we complain now over the small stuff. We complain about small things happening in our life. Oh, pastor, my cell phone got cut off. I can't come to church. Oh, pastor, my internet is not working. I can't Facebook nobody. Oh, pastor, my car broke down. I can't call nobody because my cell phone got cut off. And now I 
I can't get to church. Uh, come on now, here's Paul and Silas, uh, drug. They had whips on their back. They had openings. They had got beat up. And now they're in the inner prison in stocks. Uh, was anybody there that day? None of y'all were there. I, I, I think I, think I kind of uh, could, could bring some clarity into what happened on that day. Uh, Paul and Silas were in stocks. And, and Paul looked over to Silas and, and said, Silas, I feel a praise coming on. And Silas is next to him in his stocks. And, and he says, Paul, I've followed you all my life. If you sing, I will follow. And I believe Paul looked over and then at Silas and said, Silas, drop the beat. And Silas began to hit his little woodchucks there and began to form a beat. And I believe they sang that song. Jesus is on the main line. Tell them what you want. I believe they started singing and it made a good song. They were harmonizing better than boys and men. They were harmonizing better than shy. Come on, for you country folk, they were harmonizing better than Garth Brooks. They were harmonizing them better than Selena and Los Dinos. Come on now. They were harmonizing. They were singing this song. And the music got so good that Jesus leaned over to God and said, God, can you hear that? They're not complaining about their whips. They're not complaining that they are in prison. They're not complaining that they're down and out. They're not complaining that they got their cable cut off. They're not complaining that there's no money in the bank. They're not complaining that their bodies are sick. All they're doing is giving you worship in the midst of their... In the midst of their turmoil, they're worshiping you while they're in pain. And I believe that this is what happened. I got I to gotta bring you back. I got to bring you back. I believe that God got so into the song as they were singing it. And he began to tap his foot on the earth. He began to tap his foot to the beat of the song. And the Bible says that the earth is God's footstool. And he began to tap to the beat of the rhythm that caused an earthquake to come down and open up every jail cell, begin to open up every button, begin to drop and let go of everything. Because when you begin to give God praise, when you begin to give God glory in the midst of your situation, in the midst of your turmoil, in the midst of everything that's going on in your life, when you put God before your problem, Listen, listen, listen. It goes on to say this. It goes on to say that the, the, the jail cells were opened up and all the other prisoners were loosed. And I started thinking, I said, man, I said, that was, that was some powerful beating that you were doing on that earth that day that caused not only Paul and Silas to be loosed, but all his other prisoners. And God told me this. Your praise can bring forth liberty to somebody else. Okay, okay, I'll let that sink in. I'll let that sink in. We'll come back there in a few minutes. Paul and Silas were worshiping for their situation, their bondage, their hurt. But in the midst of their worship, God answered other folk that were sick. They were in bondage in the same area. That's why when my wife said, you ought to run to the altar and begin to worship because you don't know if your worship can set forth freedom to that person that's sitting next to you or the person that's in the back that doesn't want to lift their hands, doesn't want to stop 
doesn't want to worship God. Amen. Huh? When you begin to worship God with everything during your affliction, when you're hurt, huh? when you're down and out. Huh? Listen, it was hard for me to receive that phone call this morning. Amen. About my mother-in-law. I've been married to my wife 24 years. I know all her brothers or sisters. They're like family to me. Amen. They say her heart stopped. And, you know, they had to resuscitate her. And I was like, no, no, the devil's a lie. I didn't feel like worshiping. Come on, at that time, I didn't feel like lifting my hands. I didn't feel like stomping my feet. But I knew this. If he did it for me last month, he'll do it for me this month. And he'll do it again next month. If I give God praise. If I give God glory in the midst of my affliction, in the midst of my pain, in the midst of my hurt, I know that God is going to show up. I'm getting ready to bring this down. I mean, I just talked to the air traffic controller. They told me to go ahead and bring it in. I'm, I'm bringing it in. Usually they tell me the pattern is full and I got to keep going, but this time they told me to bring it in. In the midst of your situation, in the midst of your struggle or your trial, you need a new day experience. You need a midnight experience, and it begins with praise and worship. No matter what you're going through, praise is your weapon. There is power in your praise. When you praise, you begin to call on the heavenly host to come down on your behalf. You have to praise God in your storm and thank him while you are in the storm. Don't wait. Until you come out, praise him now. Come on, don't wait, don't wait. Listen, don't, don't wait till, well, you know, whenever he does it. No, 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 no. Praise him now. Praise him in advance. Praise him for what he already is going to do. Praise him because it is already done. According to his word, it is already done. He said, by his stripes, I am healed. He said, I am the God who healeth He's not the God that did heal. He's the God who heals. He is healing. He said, I will provide, or he said, I will supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. Whatever it is that you need, praise him in advance for what's going to come out. Stand to your feet with me. Stand to your feet with me. Worship team, if you can come up. Dang, preach so hard, the lights went out. Come on, you're in this place. Listen, you're in this place. You're not saved. Believe you're not Jesus. We're going to do this first. You're not saved. You're not living for Jesus. You've